2: This is CLNS Radio, the home of Internet Sports Talk Radio.
1: Here's a good jump Green, guarded by West, here's Garnett. They're looking for Pierce, they have that door to
0: Green 4. Ah, they used it as a screen. Paul Pierce was there, and he screened it, and that's how you were able to get the open shot on the inside. Knocked away by Wilcox. Here comes Boston on the run. Here's Crawford on the drive. Scores it. Again, that Boston quickness running the floor. Terry with the miss, But there's Bradley making jumpers, playing defense, and now
3: offensive rebounding. Avery
0: Bradley is a defender, but you're not expecting him to score 22 points, I'm sure.
3: No, not at all. But, uh, you know, that's what he's been doing for this team. He's spotting up, making the open shots. He's running their team. He's playing great.
0: It's the Celtics Beat with Ty Reddy.
1: Hi once again everybody, Ty Ray, Celtics beat basketball season is here, and am I one of the only people looking forward to the Boston Celtics this year? It's the Brad stevens era, and I'm pumped about it. I'm pumped about it. We got the best coach available as far as I was concerned to rebuild the Boston Celtics, a guy that took, well, inferior talent, I guess, not the elite talent in college basketball, and took them to two... NCAA Finals appearances at Butler, a 7.22 winning percentage at Butler, yes, I'm a big fan of Brad Stevens, and I'll talk a little bit about that on today's show. I'm going to be joined by Rich Conti, a regular here on the Celtics Beat, and we have the privilege of getting the owner of CLNS Radio, one of the co-founders. Nick Gelso on the air with us today. And then in about 15 minutes, we'll be joined by Jay King from Mass Live, Celtics beat writer, to give us his take so far on the preseason where the Celtics are just one in five. But you know what? So are the Indiana Pacers. They're 0 5 on the season. Okay? So let's not get too excited about preseason basketball. So let me bring in both Rich Conti and Nick Gelso. Guys, it's so nice to be talking NBA basketball once again.
4: Yeah, thanks for having me on, Ty. I always love doing the show.
1: Yeah, a lot of fun. And, Nick, having you aboard, a real pleasure this morning, at least out here on the West Coast. i got to do something, something, Ty, to get myself back <laughs>
5: in Celtics basketball mode. I've been on NBA hiatus, and, and you know, being uh, uh, not from the New England area, League Pass just kind of screws me over by not, uh, not giving us preseason games. So I'm yet to see... Uh, Brad Stevens-led Celtics, but I've been following online, and uh, I like what he's
1: saying thus far. And I've watched two or three games, and it looks like, guys, it looks like that Coach Stevens is working on combinations. That's why I'm not panicked about this one-in-five record that, oh, my God, the sky is falling in the Twittersphere. The Celtics are doomed. Well, if I, don't recall, if I recall correctly last year, the Celtics' preseason wasn't that fantastic. And it's nice to see Coach Stevens. You can see him tinkering. I mean, he's brand new to the NBA. He's tinkering with player combinations, trying to find out what works and what doesn't. And what I'm excited about from what I've seen is the play of Kelly Olenek and Jared Sullinger when those guys are on the floor. I'm so impressed with Olinick already.
4: Yeah, Ty, really, you know, uh, you take preseason games and the results in particular with a grain of salt. But, you know, the point you made about, you know, Tinkering with combinations of players, I think, is great. I think that you know is, is a small sliver of hope for the future because you know over the past six years we have grown quite accustomed to the Celtics being one of those whole is greater than the sum of their parts uh, uh, teams. And I think you know Stevens has that same mentality, and he's not just looking at the individual talents of the, the players on his roster; he's looking at how to piece them together to to build some more of that uh, that case of where a whole is greater than the sum of the parts. And really, you know, the biggest challenge for him going forward this year is going to be um, you know reinvigorating or instilling his type of culture and keeping the team aligned on, on a common agenda so that we can you know avoid some of the destructive things that happens when a team uh, isn't as successful, uh, particularly as they've been in the past and where guys you know like a Jordan Crawford or a Marshawn Brooks or heck, even a Rajon Rondo uh, kind of decide that their individual goals are more important than what the team is trying to accomplish. So, you know, Stevens for me, it'll be a win this year if he can keep team, um at least out there playing hard and competitively and on the same page.
1: And Nick, you and I have talked about Brad Stevens off air many times. You know I'm a huge fan. I'm going to sell you on this guy before the year's out. You could try, Ty, but I think
5: ultimately Stevens has to sell he doesn't have to sell me for anything, but uh, uh you know, I, I've got to see it. You know, and and uh it's been a long time since since we've not had a Doc Rivers led team and and, uh, you know, hearing a lot of what's being said out West, you know, it's it's sounds very familiar, doesn't it? And uh, some of the things that Doc's saying to the Clippers now. So, you know, I'm a big Doc believer. I've always been, but I'm not a non-believer in Brad Stevens. I
1: just need the opportunity to watch him uh, develop as a pro coach. Well, he's much different in the sense that he's calmer. I'll put it that way, on the sidelines. And some people have said, yeah, he's not quite as passionate. No, he's not as passionate as Doc Rivers. He's much more... Uh, dare I say, cerebral in his approach with his players. But he's a no-nonsense guy, and I think what everybody's going to like about what he brings to the table is Butler. Let's think about Butler as a mid-major. What business did they have going to back-to-back NCAA championships? Now, granted, they lost, but he took this talent, took him through the tournament. His record in the NCAA tournament at Butler was 12-5. and 12-5. And, and a characteristic of those Butler teams was how physical they played. And I think we've seen a little bit of it uh, in the preseason so far. So I think back to the Doc Rivers era, Nick and Rich, and I think that that's something that Coach Stevens has in common with Doc Rivers is that physical style of play at the defensive end.
5: You know, Ty, it's it's one thing to say, you know, he took Butler teams that that had no business being there. But as we've seen with other college to professional coaching, uh, it's much more than – than just having the ability to teach youngsters. I mean, you know, he, I think really it's going to lie a lot with Rondo. He seems to be very receptive, but when he's on the court, it's going to be another story. And it, if Rondo uh, gets behind him and they get behind each other and there's a respect level there, then I think everything will fall into place. If if Rondo is going to be typical Rondo and give Stevens the kind of hassles he gave Doc over the years, it might be really, off, be really tough for, for Brad. I think Rwanda yeah. will be gone, Rich. I do. Well, I think that's so the case. Yeah.
4: Well, I mean, I, I think that's still, I, I think that's still up in the air and to be determined. I, you know, I wouldn't rule it out as a possibility. But you know, I think you brought up a great point, Nick, and I think a point that um, you know really talks to Brad Stevens' style. Listen, different guys are leaders in, in in different ways, and and you know, you can be a successful leader. Um, in a variety of different ways, Doc's way was, you know, that that really forceful, strong personality that that gave guys confidence, that 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 caused guys to to fall in line and to buy into, you know, what he was telling them, and and that's certainly a way way that you know guys can be successful as a leader doing that. Stevens's is, is approach is different, you know. Ty, you use the phrase cerebral. I think that's an apt description, and I think sometimes guys like that who who combine that 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 intelligence and the willingness to to be flexible and adaptable and who are incredibly hard workers as, as Stevens appears to be, um, you know, they lead in a different way. They give guys confidence because guys go out there knowing that they're being given the best possible chance to win uh, because their coach has anticipated the situation or, you know, the, the, the the upcoming game in a way that the other team might not be prepared for. And their coach has prepared them. And, you know, I actually think Rondo might be more suited to respond to that type of leadership than the, the kind of personality or charisma-led leadership of a Doc Rivers, because, frankly, uh, Rondo has a strong personality, and I, I think sometimes strong personalities uh, can, can, you know, conflict. And in this case, I think, you know, if, if he sees that Stevens is doing everything possible to put him in the position and the team in the position to succeed, you know, I, I think that's something that Rondo will respond to. And
1: Rondo, I think, should respond and should respect what Stevens uh, as a coach achieved in college. I don't think Brad Stevens gets nearly enough credit for what he accomplished at Butler. It's amazing, guys. It's amazing. And people just kind of, I think, dismiss it at times. Now, I know it's not the NBA, but Butler, we're not talking Duke here, guys. We're not talking North Carolina. We're not talking Indiana. We're talking Butler University, a tiny mid-major. A team that doesn't have the ability to bring in the highest caliber talent. And what he did at Butler to me is nothing but incredible. Am I being unfair here to his critics? I just don't think that he gets enough credit.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, what what he really uh, deserves credit for, I know, um, I think he does get it in in the uh, quarters that really matters. I think he's really thought of, uh, thought highly of uh, in coaching circles. And I think he saw kind of a a little glimpse of that um, in the way Danny Ainge talked about him and and kind of the the steps that led to the the Celtics' um, really quick, almost overnight courtship of him uh, after Dr. Rivers decided to leave. I I think he's highly thought of because of those traits that I mentioned. The, the willingness to get in there and do the work in the film room and on the practice court to prepare his team to be ready for any circumstance and to to put them in the best position to win any you know given game and, and to succeed over the course of the season um, you know and the the intelligence to to devise uh, and implement different strategies for doing that and you know I think that that kind of shows up in the coaching staff he he put around him it wasn't you know him surrounding himself with a bunch of nBA life and guys who are our are, are friends, um, you know, which – you know, it was kind of the, the approach doc took, um, you know, he kind of brought in a nice mix of, of, of coaches. He brought in Ron Adams, who's a really well-respected veteran NBA coach. Um, you know, he brought in guys like Ronald Norad, uh, who he has some uh, familiarity with going back to his Butler's day, uh, Butler days. He brought in drew cannon uh, considered uh, to be someone out there at the, the bleeding edge of, um, you know, NBA analytics. So I think he's, you can kind of see that methodical and, and intentional and, and, and structured approach to success that that he's uh, he takes even in how he put together the
1: coaching staff. And, and you mentioned guys on his staff that could have gone elsewhere. I know Adams was being courted by other teams, and he decided to go with Brad Stevens. And Stevens didn't have to come to Boston, guys. He didn't have to come to Boston. He could have he could have called his shot, and he goes to Boston with a six year deal of twenty two million dollars why on earth would he come to Boston to lose? That's why I just... Six-year deal, $22 million. Yeah, six-year deal, $22 million. Well, that's the
5: answer. That's the answer. He's going to turn down that deal? Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, my, my point being, my point being, he's got an amazing resume, uh, an amazing reputation. So why would he come to a team if he didn't feel he could win in a short period of time?
5: No, I agree. Yeah. I agree, and I think that, that there's a uh, a very... Um, obvious and pronounced chemistry between he and Doc uh Danny and I think that uh Danny thrives on that. You know, you saw the relationship with he and Doc. So um yeah, I, I agree with you, Ty.
4: Yeah, I, I, you just hit it right on the head, Nick. You know, I think a lot of it goes, uh, you know, to the credit of Danny Ainge, and I think, um, you know, for um, how you know, there's a segment of fans and even media that, that that don't have a lot of love for Danny Ainge. You know, if you really step back and 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 look at things with a little bit of perspective, it's hard to dismiss the vision that he brings to running a franchise and and the level of support he has from from the ownership group. And you know, if, if I was a coach, if I was Brad Stevens sitting in his Issues with those options that that, that Ty talked about, um, you know, those things would weigh very heavily for me in terms of thinking about how I put myself in a, a position to succeed. Right? You know, you can't put much stock into the preseason to begin with,
1: but
5: let's face it, too, um guys. You know, the Celtics were one in five, but they lost three games by two points or less.
1: Yes. And, and I associate those close game losses with just being a young team and trying to figure out what to do at the end of games. And as you said earlier in the show, Nick, that problem hasn't been uncommon in Boston in recent years. No. no, I mean, uh,
5: no. Celtics could close out games, but they always had a hard time putting together four quarters of good basketball. And it was always something like, you know, the Celtics play 38 minutes of great basketball, and then there's 10 minutes of just lost time where they either lose a lead or or, you know, their deficit grows and it becomes too hard for them to fight back in the fourth quarter. So, But what we're seeing at end-of-game situation now is common of a younger team, devoid of their leader, uh, with Rondo not there, trying to, uh, you know, piece together all these personalities and a new coach. And uh, I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to seeing Jeff Green because I don't know where his role is in all this right now until I start uh, having – having the ability to watch games and, and you know, it may be opening night up in Boston as I'm going up to Boston for opening night. So see Rich, the Bill Russell statue.
1: Rich, you and I, huge fans of Jeff Green. He has not had a particularly good preseason and I'm gonna defend him to a point, but this is his opportunity to actually become the leader on the team.
4: Yeah, he played a little bit better the last game, but you know he's clearly feeling the pressure of not only having to be the you know the the, the go-to scorer on the team, but actually kind of right now with Rondo out having to be the de facto playmaker. You know, um, the team during the preseason you know has put him in positions that I don't think he's he's comfortable out there. You know, trying to make a play with the ball in his hands, particularly with the defense focusing on him. I think he's the guy that's going to benefit most uh, from from Rondo's return because I think that allows him to kind of slide back into that role of, you know, the the scorer rather than the the guy who has to initiate and generate the offense. And, you know, I think what you're seeing, and I think this, you know, bears out in the the fact that they've lost a couple of close games at the end is, you know, even with Rondo, this team's going to struggle to score in the half court. You know, they no just, doubt. There, there's not enough playmakers out there. Um, and I think Stevens wants to run, but I think what you're seeing in the preseason is without Rondo out there and a, a, a true point guard, not just a, a ball handler, um, yeah, they, they, they struggle to do that. They've been most successful when Pressy's been in the game because I think you know while he's limited, Pressy is a natural point guard. And I think you can see that, that the offense, particularly the, the up-tempo offense, runs a lot more efficiently uh, when he's on the court. Right now,
1: you're listening to Celtic Speed on CLNS Radio. I'm Ty Ray, being joined by Rich Conti and Nick Gelso. Stay with us, we're coming back with Jay King, beat writer for Mass Live. Stay tuned.
2: Mike Fay from Mike T, just reminding you about all of the great stuff we have right here on CLNSRadio.com. Even though the Celtics may be in the offseason, our Celtics postgame show will be back in better than ever when the boys in green take the parquet again. And until then, stay with CLNS for outstanding coverage of the Red Sox and Paw Sox, plus we still have our outstanding weekly shows. Tuesday night at 7.30, it's the Boston Sports Connection, hosted by CLNS content manager Sean Backey.
0: One hit away from a perfect game, and he was dealing on Saturday. On
2: Wednesday, Brian Langford brings you the evening score at 8. I always tell yeah, I'm not scared to go into it. I'll go
6: completely into it.
2: And tune in Thursday nights at 9 for NBA for Life with
6: Pat and Wall. The teachers win games when they go inside to David West and Roy Hibbert.
2: Don't forget, you can call into our live shows at 347-215-7771. And if you miss the live broadcast, you can download us on iTunes. And there are even more awesome podcasts available. Check them all out on clnsradio.com.
1: Hi, everyone. It's Ty Ray from King of the Court and the Celtics postgame show. clnsradio.com is rapidly expanding, and you can be a part of it all. Join the CLNS radio community today. Register as a CLNS member. When you join, you'll get your very own blog page and profile. And signing up is so easy, you can even use your Facebook page to do it. While you're at it, text CLNS fans to 22828 to join our e-updates community. That's CLNS fans, one word to 22828. And don't forget, you can always chat and become a part of the conversation on our message board. That's at clnsradio.com backslash forum clns radio is getting bigger and better every day and we want you to be right there with us
2: celticsblog.com blogging since 2004 and leading an outstanding team of contributors jeff clark is the most distinguished celtics blogger on the web celtics blog features a team of journalists and locker room reporters that provide celtics fans the most unique thoughtful and in-depth commentary online There's a bunch of ways to interact with the number one community of Celtics fans, Friday fan posts, fan forums, and the most popular live game chat room. CLNS Radio is proud to be a content partner of Celtics Blog, and Celtics Blog simulcasts the CLNS Celtics postgame show following every single Celtics game. And that's not all. CLNS and Celtics Blog join forces this season to bring you the Garden Report, the only HD postgame show shot live on the parquet floor at TD Garden. Check it all out today at celticsblog.com.
3: This is Avery
0: Bradley of the Boston Celtics, and you're listening to ELNS Radio.
2: CLNSradio.com, the home of Internet Sports Talk Radio.
1: Welcome back to Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio. Ty Ray, Rich Conti and Nick Gelso joining you on this Saturday afternoon. Hope you're having a good one wherever you are. We have the pleasure of being joined today by Jay King, Celtics beat writer for Mass Live, also former host on King of the Court here on CLNS Radio. Jay, so happy you're with us today.
3: And me too, guys. Thanks for having me on.
1: Oh, you bet. I was just looking at your recent article uh, today on Mass Live about how calm Brad Stevens is and his demeanor and I find that so impressive and refreshing. Now, if you heard the first block, you know that I'm worshiping Brad Stevens today, so please forgive God. me. But but I do find him on the sidelines quite refreshing with uh, the way that he conducts business, especially as a first-year NBA coach.
3: Yeah, definitely. You know, I mean, he's just the most calm, most calm coach you'll ever see. If, if you look back at the the game-winning shots that his Butler team's had over the years, he literally has no reaction. He just walks across the court, <laughs> shakes, shakes the other coach's hand, and that's it. It's, it's unbelievable. I mean, literally no reaction whatsoever to game winners, and he's the same way when they lose at the buzzer. So, I mean, Jay, it's, Jay. It's, it's wild.
5: Nick Jelso here, man. How you doing? Good.
3: Uh,
5: oh. You and I, we're both, you know, we're sentimental guys, you know, like yeah. – uh if Larry Bird was able to suit up we 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 sign him at 52 or whatever he is you know yeah, uh absolutely. So, you. Yeah, you you got it man <laughs> but uh it, my my question for you is you know i'm not up there yet so i'll be up on opening night but uh i'm i'm wondering about the difference Obviously, you're covering the games covering the practices what what how, how's it's it's got to be so much different without the cast of characters without doc you know so such a a uh, huge change from what we've been used to, uh, God. Since we've been blogging, man,
3: it, it's it's a really different feel, especially before the games, because before the games last year, you had Kevin Garnett who didn't talk to reporters before games, and right. it would kind of be like Garnett would walk into the locker room and just everyone would just kind of just be quiet. get silent. Yeah, we and, don't have to be
5: quiet. <laughs> it'd, be,
3: it'd be like, uh-oh, get out of Kevin's way. Don't look at him and don't don't stand in his way. Just just let him go through. And this year, there's not that presence. Um, so it's kind of a more laid-back feel, especially before the games. Um, but, yeah, you know, the coaches are always out there. They're out shooting around. Walter McCarty, Ronald Norad, Jay Larinaga. those guys are out there shooting around. There was one... One day after practice, Brad Stevens was out fetching rebounds for Jeff Green. Uh, it, it's, and you would never see Doc do that. It's more of a, a collegial feel. And, you know, you you can tell he came from Butler, and he's kind of instilling that same college mindset, I think. And whether that'll work or not, I don't know. Um, the players all seem to love it so far. The, the players, it, it seems like a really tight-knit group. And I think that was one of the issues coming into the season. You know, you got Chris Humphreys. Gerald Wallace, guys who probably aren't gonna be around for a while, Marshawn Brooks, maybe same thing. You know, Courtney Lee, Brandon Bass, who knows what'll happen with them. But it it really does seem like a tight knit group of guys. Um uh, and so I, I do think it's working right now. Whether I whether that'll continue if they, you know, go one and five to start the season or lose a ton of games like they might, uh, who knows. But but for now there's a really really college feel about the team and it's kind of fun. And Jay I don't think I don't think it hurts that, that A lot of the guys are, you know, 21 or 22 years old.
1: Jay, you and I talked a few years ago about, of course, how miserable that 2006, what 2007 team was—the losing streak. But there were some rays of light in that season. The development of Rajon Rondo, Big Al, who's no longer with the Celtics. But can we take the same approach this year with this team? Not measure the success of Brad Stevens' first-year coaching by wins and losses, but by the, by the growth and, and the potential we'll see after these 82 games.
3: Yeah, this, this team, this roster wasn't built to win. If this roster was built to win, Danny Ainge would have gone out and gotten a true center. Danny Ainge would have gone out and gotten a true point guard. Danny Ainge, you know, he, he would have cleared the large MS shooting guard. He would have done things to, to make this team different. Um, what? How this season will really be measured is progress, and – you know, out there seeing Kelly Olynyk improve. Jared Sunder, who I think is ready for a pretty big season. You know, hopefully Jeff Green will snap out of his funk. I think he will. He's just missing some shots right now. He's taking open shots. But this this season, it's not about wins or losses this year. You know, I think when Rondo gets back, they'll be, they'll be decent. But this team is really flawed. And anyone who thinks this team is not flawed is, has not been paying attention. Uh, so, as you said, you can't judge Stevens by the wins and losses. you got to judge him, A, by the way he keeps control of his team when the losses pile up. I think it will be really telling, you know, if the guys keep, keep a really good attitude throughout the whole season, uh, which they have so far. And also, as I said, progress. You know, Danny Ainge is building assets. He's got a bunch of young guys. He wants whether he wants to keep Sullinger around, keep Olenek around, keep Avery Bradley around, or use those guys as trade bait, this year is big for them, whether, whether it's you know establishing themselves as franchise cornerstones or building up their trade value. One or the other, this year is big for all those young guys, and progress is especially important.
4: Hey Jay, it's Rich Conti. Um, a couple of weeks back you wrote a nice piece as a follow-up to uh, Matt Moore's CBS Sports piece about Celtics and Sixers uh, preseason matchup being in effect the Tank Bowl and in it you, you referenced some comments by Moore about avoiding NBA purgatory and, and the idea of sustained mediocrity and then later you yep. referenced some comments that, that Ainge made in a, in a piece written by Ian Thompson of SI You know where it sounds like Ainge doesn't believe that losing to get better is the only way to win. You know, what's your take on the, on the concepts of teams needing to intend get worse in order to get better
3: you know i i think that's one way to do it and obviously you know in certain situations i think that's right like with philadelphia i think they were absolutely right to blow it up you know drew holiday was probably overrated they might have gotten a first round draft pick in a stack 2014 draft lottery for him they're going to have maybe the number one pick of their own so i think the way they did it they needed to blow it up the celtics not only do they not have to blow it up but they really can't you know Ainge found the best trade on the market for Pearson Garnett. And what that did was it hindered the Celtics with some bad contracts that are going to be there for a little while. But there are also bad contracts that have that those players will actually contribute. You know, like Gerald Wallace, you don't want $10 million on the books, but he's a good player still. You know, he's going to help their team. Chris Humphreys, same thing. You know, you don't want him for $12 million, but he's still a pretty productive player. So they can't really trade those guys because – at least Wallace, because nobody wants him. So they're going to be competitive no matter what. I think in their case, with the nine picks over the next five years, it makes sense not to tank. They already have Regan Rondo, and if you trade him, it's probably going to set back the rebuilding process, you know, two or three years. I I use the Oklahoma City Thunder as an example in that piece. And they they rebuild as well as anybody, but it took them – until the third year of Kevin Durant's career to even have a winning record. I want to say they won 43 games over his first two seasons. So, you know, it takes a long time if you're going to start from scratch. Because Ainge has nice young pieces, because he has Rondo, because he has all those draft picks, he doesn't need to start from scratch. And I don't think he wants to step back the rebuilding process if he doesn't have to.
4: Yeah, for me, you know, there's a big difference between when you when you talk about tanking and blowing it up. You know, Philadelphia, what did they really blow up? I mean, they were already in desperate straits, and I think they, you know, just you know basically took an asset that they had and and rolled it forward. And I I had a nice back and forth on Twitter a couple weeks ago with Zach Lowe, and you know, my argument was that. Oklahoma City, while you know Sam Presti will probably say that he did, I don't think they really tanked in the truest sense of the word. If you if you think about it, they ha- they already had drafted Kevin Durant, so they already had that number two overall pick when they traded away Ray Allen, who was really their only asset at that point. What they did was in, you know um, a, a very good job of not saddling themselves with. With contracts that were going to be onerous or with players that were, you know, maybe not going to you know, ultimately be part of a, a future team just to scratch out another, you know, five or ten wins. And so, yeah, if you want to call that tanking, I guess they tanked. But for me, I don't think it was a case of, you know, them really intentionally getting worse. They were already pretty bad. I, I think what it was is they weren't necessarily in a rush to win 40 games. Um, and and they really, you know, kind of took their time and tried to build pieces, to, you know, Allow them to you know win 50 games
3: or 55 games yeah i would agree with that and i would say you know the word tanking implies that you're intentionally losing and i think philadelphia did that they're not going to go out there and the players that they have and try to lose games but they obviously stripped their roster to the bare minimum they're not even going to pay the the minimum amount of salaries um so they're going to have to just pay extra to the guys that they do have so they obviously are trying to lose the celtics they're not necessarily trying to lose. Um, they didn't strip it to the bare minimum. You know, obviously winning isn't the, the biggest emphasis this year, uh, but you're right. In, in their situation, I don't think stripping it is either possible or the right way.
1: We're visiting with Jay King, Celtics beat writer for Mass Live. Ty Ray, Rich Conti and Nick Gelso on Celtics beat. Today, and i got to ask you something, Jay. I've got to ask you something. There was a lot of criticism thrown Gerald Wallace and Chris Humphreys' way, I think unfairly, uh, when they were traded over to the Celtics. Just in watching them in preseason, those two play hard. They can add something to this team this year while they're here.
3: Yeah, definitely. And not only that, but those guys have emerged as leaders. And I know that... <laughs> That's weird coming from a team that has seen Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett lead the way for the past six years. But, you know, those guys, Gerald Wallace just by playing so hard. Brad Stevens mentions it how hard he plays almost every day. And without even being asked about him, he'll just bring up Gerald Wallace and how hard he plays. You know, Chris Humphreys is another guy that came into camp in great shape. All his teammates have talked about how he's really in their ear trying to teach them what it takes to, to carve out a career in this league. And as you said, they they both play hard. Now, obviously, they're not perfect players. You know, Wallace has really regressed offensively, and Humphreys doesn't really have the best basketball IQ. Um, he's not always in the right place, especially defensively. But those guys will help. And it, it's nice to see that even though, you know, they came in and could have been disgruntled, they, they really bought in already. And that's obvious to see. And it's obvious from what their teammates say. And it, it's kind of neat to see um, that, that those guys are bought in. And I, I think that does show, you know, that Stevens is getting these guys to buy in. And, you know, Gerald Wallace could have been a real issue when he came over. He, he was obviously disgruntled with the trade. He, he barely spoke to the Celtics organization the whole summer. And I, I think Stevens That's handled that point. situation delicately. And you know, Wallace has emerged as a leader instead of being a disgruntled guy, which I think he was last year in Brooklyn.
1: That's a great point. The one thing I noticed, Jay, though, watching the preseason games, I, I didn't—I guess I just didn't pay attention when I would watch Wallace and when he played on other teams. He plays so damn hard, full blast.
3: Yeah, and th- there's a reason he's nicknamed Crash. It, it's fun watching him play because he really—it's it, like. He's just hectic out there. He just creates chaos. And I, I think he and Avery Bradley will be very good in tandem defensively. And obviously it hurts that they don't have any anchor behind those guys so that they can really get out there and pressure people. Um, but those guys will be fun to watch defensively, although not not as fun to watch on the offensive end.
1: Jay, it's interesting that Brad Stevens has been starting Bradley, Jordan Crawford, Jeff Green, Brandon Bass, Jared Sulliger, uh, in the starting lineup in recent games. Do you see that as the starting five moving forward or is he just tinkering right now?
3: I I I do think that he's really liked what Jordan Crawford brings to this team. I I think Interesting. he does like ha- I think he does like having two ball handlers out there, especially given the fact that Avery Bradley obviously isn't a clear point guard. Um and I, I think Kelly O'Linick will fight for a spot in the rotation or the starting lineup rather. Um I think he might take Brandon Bass's spot. But other than that, you know, I, I think that lineup might be set. Or maybe Jeff Green will move down to the two and Joe Wallace will slip in there. Uh, that could be a pretty fun lineup, too. But, yeah, I, I think he's pretty settled on that starting lineup, actually. I, I think he really does like what Crawford brought to the table.
1: Gentlemen, I've got to get on my high horse here. I was excited about the Celtics drafting Kelly Olenek. I lived out here on the West Coast, mm-hmm. as you all know. I watched Kelly at Gonzaga. And draft night everybody is just shocked about Kelly Olenek and the skills he brings. It's not like Gonzaga is some NAIA school or something. They're always competitive. Kelly was a great player in the West Coast Conference. And I guess I was just a little taken back by how people weren't <laughs> impressed with him right away and now they're so shocked by his skill level.
4: I was just going to go say, ahead. Ty. You and I talked a lot about it before the draft, and I was down on him coming in the draft. I just had visions of this being Michael Smith 2.0 for the Celtics. But <laughs> I'm I'm willing to eat crow on this one. I think you know, you know, he's certainly got a long way to go to, to, to prove he can play. You know, particularly inside in the NBA. But I'm really loving what I'm seeing so far.
1: And what about you, Jay? You you probably see him more than than any of us. What what have you seen from him that you like, or what surprised you in particular?
3: Uh, he's just really skilled but when they drafted him actually i, I spoke to a scout who told me that he's a uber skilled player devoid completely devoid of athleticism <laughs> and and that's kind of what he is i i think they were a little harsh on the athleticism i i think he's a little bit more mobile than that but he's he's not a high flyer he's got a short wingspan but he, he's just so skilled he's kind of like like Solinger's long lost twin brother like they don't do the same things, but they succeed in the same ways it's like basketball IQ skills they just know how to play the game and I, I think those two will be really fun in tandem uh, just because the passing will be so great with those guys out there and especially when like, gets back when, yeah. when you have those three passers in the same lineup it's going to be a, a lot of fun to watch that team and then you know maybe you get Jale Wallace and Avery Bradley running the break and then all of a sudden fast breaks all day that could be really fun so I, I, I'm excited about that lineup. I don't think they they'll be great defensively with those two in there, but offensively, you know, those guys are just both ultra skilled.
1: Jay, do you mind if we take a phone call?
3: Not at all. Okay, let's I actually go have out to go though, guys. I I just got to practice right now.
1: Okay, okay, very good. You got you just got a second though. What's that? You got a second though? Just just a brief second as we go out to Sam yeah, in San
6: Diego. you
1: San, you there? I do. Yeah, I'm here. Hey, thanks for joining us today on Celtics Beat. Ty Rich Conti, Nick Gelso, being joined by Jay King from Mass Live. What do you got for us today?
6: Hey, I wanted to ask you guys a question. Just you know, with the NBA salary cap, um, um, any reason why you guys think that they didn't uh, go ahead and, uh, if you were to release, um, not have any player caps as far as a salary cap? Like, let's say you have, you're able to play, play, pay LeBron James, like let's say thirty, forty million, wouldn't that sort of keep the uh, Players from being able to to team up together.
1: Interesting question, Jay. You want to take that?
3: Yeah, I, I think a lot of economists and NBA people think that that's the best idea, and that the, the main superstars are actually worth that much money compared to the rest of everybody else. But I don't think we'll see the league going that way. I, I don't think that the the NBA Players Union will allow that. Just because you know those guys making the the mid level don't want to give up that that extra five million or whatever, but it, it is a really neat idea, and I I think it would it would really breed a lot more parity if the superstars could get paid what they're worth, and then everybody else would just you know filling around them. And you know one of the things is um I'm you know
6: as a fan this is this is a little bit of a tough year because like you say we have to watch. You know we have to look at little things like the progression of certain players, but um it, it's really tough as a fan to not root for them to lose games um just because um I don't know I don't know for me i I started reading the uh bill Simmons book um book of basketball, and you know, he talks about transcendency and you know it would be nice to get a player who is transcendent and who is at the beginning of his career um you know on a personal level um I just would like to see that. You know, he obviously got to see Larry Bird, um, and you know, a player of that caliber is the kind of player that's at the top of that draft. And, and so, I'm just kind of trying to figure out what what to look for this year as far as a, as a fan. Um, and so, I don't know. Do you do you have any idea what Danny Ainge is is what would what would be his plan, or what what do you think he's looking for this year? As far as do you think he's looking to make a move at some point this year to or in the next year to try to push this team
3: over, or is he just going to wait?
1: Hey, Sam, we got to let you go because Jay's, at, uh, Jay's at headed to Celtics practice. But, Jay, do you want to answer that real quick?
3: Yeah, I think I think Ains will rebuild the Celtics as quickly as he sees fit. Um, but I don't think – he won't hinder them with, with a bad contract. He won't make a deal that's going to hurt them in the future. If he makes a move, it's going to be so that they can become contenders. I, I think in the meantime, he, he wouldn't mind moving Courtney Lee, Brandon Bass, uh, any of those those middle guys. I, I wouldn't be too shocked if he moved Jeff Green, um, and then then he's he's going to try to make a big play, like he did with Kevin Garnett, like he did with Ray Allen. He's going to try to use those draft picks, and he's going to try to package some of those young players, and he's going to try to get the the best available player on the market. And or or maybe he'll try to package some of that and move up in the draft and select Andrew Wiggins or Jabari Parker or whoever he he really wants. But he's got options, and by by having so many assets, he gave himself options. And I I think that's the most positive thing to know as a Celtics fan is that because they have so many draft picks, because they do have young players that that GMs around the league like, you know, Ainge will have options moving forward. And. It, it, it's going to be interesting to see how quickly he can do it. I wouldn't be too surprised if he tries to swing a move this summer, um, a, a big move this summer. And, you know, we'll, we'll see. I don't, I don't think it'll take as long as it did last time.
1: All right, Jay King from Life. Thanks for joining us today. Enjoy practice. Thanks, Jay.
3: Thanks for having me, guys. Have a good one. You bet.
1: Take care. Kevin Love, gentlemen. That's who I wanted to sell the oh,
3: for. Me, too. If he could
5: just be healthy. he He is... The quintessential Celtic, I think in the nBA right now, man, would I love to see oh, love on our team.
1: would love to see his rebounding His ah sh- oh, man, I, I get chills thinking about seeing Kevin love and green, Richie on board with that one
4: yeah, Kevin loves a, a name that's out there yeah, i 've also heard Lamarcus Aldridge as being two guys that you know are impact players, particularly big men that might want out of their situation. The beauty of this and and what Jay was talking about, about the about the options that Ainge has has given himself is. You never know when those opportunities are going to present themselves. And, and you know, you, it, it's almost like you can't anticipate who these guys might be that pop up and decide that they're, you know, unhappy in their current situation and want out. I mean, I'll throw out a name. Is it that far fetched that if, uh, you know, come this summer, if the, say, the Thunder don't make it past the first round again, that Durant might not start making noise oh. about wanting out? Oh, of the holy day. cow. Could is, you is
5: imagine? It, oh, is TD that far
4: fetched. That's all mm, I'm saying. No,
1: it's, it's not a, that far-fetched. It's
4: not. He would, that
5: far-fetched. He, he would be a classic Celtic
1: too. He's quiet. He's he's humble. He's, and we know uh, there's amazing. a
4: relationship there with him and Danny Ainge. Right,
1: right. Yep, yep. And, and, and the other thing, guys, is unlike New York and L.A., who probably would target uh, Kevin Durant, Boston might fit Durant's personality a little bit better because it's not in the spotlight as much as yep. Miami, New York, or Los Angeles.
5: Yeah, he so, seems very comfortable in a small market like Oklahoma. Oh, but... he was
1: great here in Seattle, guys. I, I miss him. He was just a kid, but he was just just so humble, too. Class act, guys. Class act. Wonderful player. Wonderful player. So I have to ask the two of you this question, Rich and, Rich and, and Nick. Well,
4: I, can, I can see him.
1: Go ahead, Rich. Did we lose Rich? Nick, you there? No, oh,
4: no, I was just going to say, and I, you know, I can see uh, – no, I, I – uh, can you guys hear me?
1: Yeah, I can hear you.
4: Oh, sorry about that. No, I was just going to say, I can see him being one of those guys that buys into the, the, the Celtics history and mystique and really being being swayed by that and and Boston being an attractive destination from that perspective.
1: Yeah, I, I I agree with you. I agree with you. So I have to ask both of you this, and this is what I wanted to ask is, would you rather be a team, that say like 500 this year. So let's say we brought back the band, pretended to make uh, one more run just to put fannies in TD Garden seats and make everybody happy, or would you rather be in the position the Celtics are now with a brand-new, young, best coach, young coach on the market with all these assets with a chance to make a move at a higher price free agent in the coming years? With which position would you rather be in? And by the way, I expect Paul Pierce to be in green next year. mm.
5: I definitely expect Paul Pierce to return at some point, I mean, even if it's to wear the jersey for one game. But, uh, you know, Ty, to answer your question, um, obviously, the correct business move is, well, let's put it this way, the correct business move would have been filling the TD Garden for bringing the band back. But, the correct long-term business move is, is what Danny Ainge did, and there's no doubt about it. You're going to have sentimental jackasses like me who is going to be maybe a bit skeptical until it's proven to me. But then, you know, I know that that was the right move to make. You know, I, I couldn't live through another season of watching KG's knees every single game. Uh, how did he land? You know, how did he jump? You know, is he limping? I couldn't take another season of you know Paul Pierce. You know, primarily healthy, but getting banged up so much all season that by the end of the year, uh, he's useless. So, you know, uh, just very frustrating. But uh, is it the way I wanted it all to end? Absolutely not. You know, but uh, it, it is what it is. And, and I think for right now, we're in a very good position. And And I'll tell you what. How great is Jay King? I mean, uh, he, he just has really evolved. We watch him grow into yes. a, a great sideline reporter from when, God, I know, I've known him since 2008 when he had, he had a small blog and I had a small blog. So thrilled for Jay and, and great information there, not to change the subject. But that's the answer to my question, Ty.
1: Well, I like hearing from Jay about what he's seen from the team so far, and everything he said, everything he said made me excited about this season. And it's really easy to root for a team that wins Miami heat fans <laughs> really easy to root for a team when they win it's very difficult to watch a team rebuild and I'm looking for other things this year other than wins and losses I'm looking for the development of Jared Solinger for the development of Kelly Olynyk. will Rondo come back there's enough stories there's enough stories in the 2013-2014 Celtics to keep us glued to the game because what happens this year is going to affect what happens next year in the, in the next year. So it's very important that we keep an eye on this year, and there's going to be some fun things to watch out for while it may not be an NBA title. But here's a dirty little secret, guys. Last year we really didn't have a chance at an NBA title either, even though we put a good face on it.
4: Yeah, you know, they um I think we were we all kind of had it in the back of our mind that they could recreate the type of run that they had at the end of the previous season. Yeah. But you know, when we talked about this on the break, you know, it was just one of those years where, you know just obstacles kept popping up in their way. And so you know, I'm 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 with you guys. You know, I think the position they're in right now um, ultimately is better for the long run. I think, if you know, if I had to add one rider to um, my answer to your question, Ty, it would be uh, I'm all for being in the position in right now um, as long as they can find a way to preserve some of that 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 competitive spirit, that sure. tough-minded, disciplined, accountable attitude uh, that the team really had over, over the past six years. That's what um, you know. I've been most concerned about losing with you know the departure of, of of KG and Pierce in particular. That to me was one of the best things about being a Celtic fan over the past six years. Is just going to see you know uh, you know Ke- Kevin uh, Kevin Garnett you know bring that warrior mentality out into the court every night, and I'd, I'd hate to see that. Um, you know, lost and, and replaced with the kind of you know every-man-for-himself attitude that you sometimes get when you have a 30-win season.
1: I don't think that's going to happen, not under the Brad Stevens regime. That's, that's just not going to happen, and if it does, those guys will be sent packing. Nick, uh, we were only going to have you about 15 minutes because you wanted to talk about that crazy story last night in my neck of the woods here in the Seattle-Tacoma area. Celtics legend Bill Russell... 11-time NBA champion caught with a, a firearm, a loaded firearm at the SeaTac airport. He, was, Of course, he was uh, arrested and released, but I, it's crazy. It's, it's I don't a, know weird. that I, I – I think it was painful to talk about it. I, I mean, just so weird, and, and
5: I cannot get anybody to give me an answer on where was Bill headed.
1: Does Rich, anybody know that? Rich, do you know that? I've tried to read every article he, I he was, possibly could. Rich?
5: We're just cutting in and out. Yeah, I think we lost Rich. I, I don't know where he was uh, going.
1: Yeah, I did do you recall. Oh,
5: just as he's gonna tell us. Yeah
4: <laughs>
1: It's a <laughs> teaser, Nick. It's a teaser. Rich yeah. But you're cutting in and out on us. You could message me. You could message me. Can you me hear out, me now? Yeah, we yeah. can hear you now.
4: Okay, yeah. I, I um seem to be having Wi Fi dead spots in the house right now. Um I did, what I read this morning is he actually headed to Boston.
5: Okay, so to me you know, not being, uh, you know, um, speculative, but, of course, being speculative, Ty. That's what uh, we do. Yeah, I mean, Bill Russell, putting it, calling him a legend is putting it mildly. Bill Russell is the
1: Babe Ruth of right. basketball. I, I, you know okay. what? How about not just a legend, an American icon. An American, American icon. icon. Great Medal of Freedom it. winner. Take that, Bill- LeBron James, if you want to make yeah. comparisons. Yeah. person's. Yeah, now uh, – now, why, is LeBron comparing himself to Bill Russell? No, I just get tired every time I see a picture on the four-letter network that has LeBron up there with Bill Russell, because there's just yeah. no comparison. No, but, uh,
5: you know, and again, not not being skeptical, but just just play this out. Bill Russell has been known to be somewhat reclusive. He's been known to be quite paranoid, and for good reason, you know, grew up, or grew up, you know, grew into his own in Boston, you know, as the... MVP, the the icon, the MVP of the Boston, the ten eleven time champion Boston Celtics, in a town where they were celebrating Bobby Orr and beating the Christ out of out of Bill Russell, right? Um, criticizing him, and uh, you know the guy has had death threats. He's had you know just horrible horrible uh, prejudices against him in a city that not to trash Boston because I'm a Boston lover, right. but right. has That's- been known for. Prejudice, right? It so, had its
1: own race issues, absolutely. Yeah.
5: Now, and let, let's also think quickly. Uh, you know, Russell didn't show up for his own the retirement of his own jersey. Yeah, Red Rose, or, or they they actually didn't even have a ceremony. He was there, and they did it while the garden was the Boston Garden was closed. Okay, uh, you know, he'd come to games as a member of the media or as a coach from Seattle, and barely give a wave at the fans. Usually, he would just kind of. Uh, You know, stand there looking uncomfortable. It's only since very recently has Russell really become a bit more outgoing. But he's coming back to the hometown where, you know, I think he he has a a bond with Boston, but I think there's a distant bond. He keeps it distant. Coming back to his hometown when getting a ton of notoriety as, you know, President Obama, you know, pretty much had to beg to have – you know, the the best basketball player of all time get a statue in the city where he yeah. won
1: more championships than anyone else. It just doesn't make sense.
5: And it, so he's coming back to an area where uh, uh, he had a lot of horror stories. So I'm not saying Bill Russell was coming back with a loaded gun to shoot somebody, God forbid, or to, no, to
1: protect, protect himself
5: because right. he was threatened by anything. But it's possible that it might have fun. crossed
1: his mind. But you know, Russell lives in my area, Nick. As you know, I know he yeah. lives in my area, and you don't hear a whole lot about him. He keeps he keeps to himself, uh, and he's an interesting figure. I, that would be my dream interview. If you guys want to know who my that dream I... interview would be of all time, let me have dinner with Bill Russell. I would be scared out of my. Oh, I would be uh, terrified, uh, next Studio, yes. You know, yes. you know yes. he, Mister. You know, pretend to be Mike Wallace. Uh, <laughs> I. Uh, I would be crapping. Yeah. I would be crapping. Yeah. Guys, we've got one call who's been waiting patiently. It's Igor from Celtics Talk Radio, a big oh, supporter nice. of CLNS Radio. Nice surprise. Let, let's get Igor on the line
5: here. Let's do it.
1: Igor from Celtics Talk Radio, thanks for joining us today on Celtics Beat. What's going on, man?
0: Oh, guys, not Igor.
1: Oh, not no, Igor.
5: It's Elwood. I'm telling you, it's Elwood.
0: It Elwood? Been waiting on hold patiently. Yes, You're you have, up. my friend. You're talking about my boy, and I thought, oh, my gosh, they didn't get a hold of me.
1: The Brad Stevens oh, yeah.
0: expert in Indianapolis, you know, I thought, oh, I've got to call in and talk to these guys. Um, first off, let me remind you, Larry Bird works for the Pacers. But uh, now <laughs> on, let's and get on Brad. <laughs> on Night and you've been known to leave. No, no that, I'll <laughs> tell you exactly what that was. He wanted them to start writing some big checks, and they didn't want to do it. And he left. Well, we know and how Larry is. Big yep. checks, and he came back. So, yes. um legend always with. wins. Hmm? Yeah. Well, you know that's the only thing stopping the Pacers is they're not willing to write the big checks. Once they do that, they're going to be unstoppable. But the Celtics show. Um Hey, later... wait a minute,
1: Al. Hey, hey, Would you're not panicked? The sky isn't falling. The Pacers are zero and five this preseason. White <laughs> have <a> season. You want preseason? <laughs> what even? Nothing. A no, Thank thanks. you. That, that's my message. Preseason to is just
0: a way for people to make money. I mean, the Colts. I was you are there one so time right. At, I was sitting at a Colts game one time during preseason. And I I thought to myself, I've paid two hundred dollars to watch Curtis Painter, quarterback, in a bunch of retro Baltimore Colts outfits. I thought I'm an idiot, and that was my last preseason game for any sport. But. Um, Here's the deal, guys, with Brad Stevens. I know this guy. I mean, I remember the day he came to Butler. He instantly changes programs. you got to remember in Indianapolis, you're either an IU fan or a Purdue fan or to some small aspect in basketball a Notre Dame fan. This city had no basketball team, and he grew that program. I don't know how, but he worked this city to where they started liking Butler. He got Butler to hire a statistician. He got Butler to redo the, the – um, uh, the basketball court you go in there and you feel right. like you're at a big ten basketball game there's this muriel there's paintings there's mascot cheerleaders I mean you'd swear it, it's, it's as exciting and fun as going to an IU or Purdue game he got Indianapolis on his side. He did promotions. He shook hands. He takes the train up to Chicago, throws out the first pitch for the basketball game, steals 50 recruits. He caused a talent drain in the Midwest because so many guys who were going to play for a lot of the big schools in the that, Midwest all of a sudden want to go to Indianapolis and play that, for Brad
1: Stevens. That was, that was he, the worse than I am. Okay, I I spent 15 minutes singing uh, Brad Stevens' great. No, you you guys,
0: you had a guy on there who said it may take a while. It's not going to take a while. Brad Stevens is going to fast-track you, the Celtics.
1: I I agree with you to the point that I I think it's going to be a faster process because he has his act together. If the Celtics wanted to lose, they would have just hired some unknown assistant coach to sit on the bench and and watch the team just dissolve. But they Fred, want to win, and they want to win in a hurry, and so they brought Stevens in to do the things that you're talking about, like he did at Butler, which was oh, create a winning a winning organization, a winning attitude. So I agree with you, Hall. I'm on board with you, man. You don't have to so, sell look, him. I love it. It's May. kind
0: of weird. It's growing up. I was kind of a Larry Bird. I loved Larry Bird, so I watched. Even though I'm a Pacer fanatic, I always had to watch every Celtics game because my boy Bird was in it. Now it's kind of weird. I'm pumped for watching Celtic games because my boy Brad's coaching them. It's kind of weird. I mean, yeah. you come, you go in my man cave, and there's the huge Reggie Miller poster and the huge, you know, whoever the big player is on the Pacers this year poster, and my Larry Bird. So you know, I mean, so I kind of it's kind of weird. I have that artificial Celtics fan vibe like I had when. Um, you know, Larry Bird played, or like right? I have well, right now with Denver, but, I, I, you know, I think you're going to see awesome things. Brad Stevens, he gets in there and he galvanizes people, and it's interesting the way he does it because he doesn't scream, he doesn't shout, he's quite what, in a way he well, has that uh, Don Dungey quality. Yeah, Dungy's I was going to say shouted.
1: that. He never shouted. I was going to say Doesn't that.
0: have to shout to get people lined up to do whatever the heck he wants. The, the you know, players can respect
1: do that. him. Oh, right, they do, and, 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 and what they I hate play to do for do him. do. Oh, what I hate to do this to you because we've we got to end the show here. We've got four oh. minutes to go. And well, I know you've so been holding. I
0: know. Oh, I, I don't, you know, that, guys I know actually, but, but, I've enjoyed but, this because it's nice to talk about something other than Peyton playing Luck tomorrow night. Because going to be a, great game. By, a the way,
1: fanatic by the way. By the I'm taking your Colts in that game. I'm taking your Colts you in should. that
0: You should. Andrew no, that's am. real deal. They're home. I home. Uh, hey, hey
1: go
0: Peyton had ahead. his chance and he left us. Peyton had his chance and he left us. And, by the way, Jim Irsay, you're absolutely right. You just said it at the wrong time, but don't wrap Jim Irsay in the mouth for telling the truth. You yeah, know, he just said it in right. the midst of the warm fuzzies for Peyton Manning's homecoming. The guy's
4: All right. right. Sorry, All right See Go you guys. Broke. Go left. We
1: can't turn this into Sunday Night Football, but thanks so much for your time, Elwood. Rich, you there? I'm here. Oh, man. And... Turns- Edward, is, he,
4: Edward is passionate about Brad Stevens.
1: Yeah, and, and I spent the true. first 15 minutes going on and on about how <laughs> Brad Stevens was. So we don't see any more of uh, his resume on Celtics B today. I think we're all in agreement that he, he's, he's a good fit right now for this team.
4: Yeah, and we just don't want to put too much pressure. You know, the team clearly has some some work to do to build the roster, and and I think it's clear that Ainge and the ownership group is intending on being patient with the situation. And you know, I've got no doubt that whatever Brad Stevens can do to to galvanize people at Elwood said and to accelerate the the, the the process, I'm sure he'll do that. I, I think it's just you know everybody's uh, you know willing to kind of you know, offer a little bit of a grace period here. Real quick, Rich, we're getting ready to end the
1: show. Those comments by Miami's LeBron James about Pierce and Garnett leaving, leaving Boston, making a comparison to Ray Allen, Ray who went willingly, and really KG and Garnett or KG and Pierce didn't. There was really no choice.
4: Yeah, absolutely. There were there were two things that came up this week in the NBA that I wanted to bring up because I knew they would get you riled up, and and that for sure yeah, that was one of them. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, I I actually uh, went back and forth on Twitter with with Jay earlier this week uh, because he tweeted the the story out, and, you know, I made the comment that everybody understands that really what LeBron said wasn't about Ray at all. It's about himself. I think he's still bitter about the criticism he took for leaving Cleveland and going to Miami, and this is just another opportunity to, under the guise of defending his teammate Ray, to to really defend his his own actions, and, yeah, you're right. there's, There's no comparison. You know, no um, person. you know, once, K, once uh, Doc Rivers uh, decided that the greener pastures in L.A. meant more to him than his place in Celtics history and his relationship with K.G. and Pierce, that set the dominoes for the Celtics. And honestly, if the trade for Brooklyn hadn't been made, I, I think there was probably an 80% chance that K.G. was going to just hang it up. And he was going to retire anyway. And, and Pierce had to talk him into going you know out to Brooklyn and like you mentioned earlier in the show I'm I'm on board I think you know we'll see Pierce back here in a Celtics uniform I think this was do just too. a situation of of convenience for everybody and and I don't think it was you know the same type of what I think is fundamentally any kind competitive behavior that guys like LeBron showed in in trying to team up so you know, I, I think it's more just, you know, LeBron wanting validation from from the outside world for his actions and and just still disappointed he's not getting it.
1: It's LeBron being LeBron. Great player, but quite the, quite the mouthpiece for the league. And Rich, that's gonna wrap it up for today. Celtics Beat, I want to thank my co host Rich Conti. Nick Jelso, surprisingly, comes on board today to talk all things Boston Celtics. Thanks for joining us, everybody. I'm Ty Ray also want to thank Jay King. I can't forget to do that for Mass Live. Beat writer for the Celtics for giving us his insight to this year's Boston Celtics. Celtics take on the Minnesota Timberwolves tomorrow. Hopefully they can get a preseason win. Have a good day, everybody.
4: We'll